Hey Church Experience, I am so glad that you are joining us today. We have such an impactful service that we are going to be joining you and uh, we're going to dive into some great worship. But before we do, I would love to tell you, if you have any prayer requests or comments, you want to get a hold of us, uh, why don't you go ahead and scan that QR code or you can go to www.churchexperience.tv backslash connect. Um, and we would love to spend time with you, get to know you, get back to you. Uh, another way, if you want to make sure you always know what's going on, go ahead and hit that subscribe button right there. You don't want to miss it and you'll know what's going on at all times. But uh, you know what? I am ready to dive into today's worship. So let's do it. Shall not kneel, shall 
we praise you, Father. We praise you for your glory. We praise you for sending your son. We praise you, Father, when times get hard. We praise you in the storms. We praise you because you gave us eternal life. You gave us grace. You gave us mercy. And we are eternally thankful for you. Father, we come before you in the name of Jesus to just praise you in the storms. We love you. Amen. Hey, well, welcome to week number three of our Miracles Teaching Series. I'm so glad you're here with us today. And I just want to begin with a question. The question is, what is your problem? <laughs> I mean, I'm serious, like, what is your problem? Like, what's the problem in your life? And, and some of you might be looking at the person next to you thinking, that's my problem right there. Don't tell them they're the problem because then you're going to have more problems in your life. <laughs> I'd also be curious, like, how many of you have, like, no problems? Not just now, but, like, ever. Like, you've never had a problem. Your whole life has been smooth sailing. Like, no problems at all. If that's you, don't raise your hand because then you have a lot of problems. There's going to be a lot of people that are, like, hating on you because that is not the normal experience for any of us, right? Like, very few of us get through life without a lot of significant problems. But I'd like to point out that big problems are the genesis for big miracles. And God does some of his greatest work out of some of our biggest problems. So let me encourage you today, if you have some big problems in your life, if your life is one big problem, God is able to do miracles out of even that messy context. And if you think about our story of Christianity, it's all about a big problem, the problem of sin, a problem that we could not solve, a problem that was bigger than us, that was gonna land us in hell, separated from God. And out of that big problem, God did a big miracle. He so loved you and I that he sent his own son, Jesus, to die on that Roman cross so that we could be forgiven of our sins. All of our sins, all of our past, all of our rebellion against God, completely forgiven and washed away. And he did that miracle of sending Jesus to live for you, to die for you. And what we're gonna celebrate here real soon on Easter Sunday, he resurrected back to life for you, showing he was God, showing he had power over death, showing you that when you die, that that's not the end, that you have the hope of heaven. And all these miracles came out of the problem of sin. And so I wanna remind you that even when you have a big problem, that doesn't mean that God's finished. It might be that he's just beginning in your story. And so as we look at today's message, we're going to begin with a big problem. It happened in 2 Chronicles chapter 20. God's people, the nation of Israel, they are, they're struggling. Judah is struggling. They have a, a vast army that's coming to attack them. Let's pick up the story in, Gen in 2 Chronicles 20, uh, beginning in verse 1. It says, after this, the Moabites and Ammonites and some of the Muonites, they came to wage war against Jehoshaphat. 
Jehoshaphat was the leader of God's people and says in verse two that some people came and told Jehoshaphat, a vast army is coming against you from Edom, from the other side of the Dead Sea. It is already in Hazan Tamar, that is in Gedi. So, so this massive army, this vast army, not, not just a little army, not just a few people that don't like you, like a vast army, like ready for battle, they are on their way. In fact, they're already, they've already made progress on their journey to you. So this is a big problem. And this is the beginning of what's going to result in a big miracle for God's people. But before we get to the miracle, let me just point this out. Between the problem and the eventual miracle, there's some key decisions that you have to make. And you have an enemy that would love for you to get those decisions wrong. The decisions between the problem that you experience, perhaps the problem in your life right now, and the miracle that you're praying for, that gap between the problem and the miracle, there's some critical decisions. And depending on how you respond to those decisions between the problem and the miracle can do one of two things. It can either accelerate God's work and the miracle he wants to accomplish in your life, or it can extinguish some of the things that God is wanting to fulfill in your life, perhaps even the miracle itself. So your decisions are critical and the enemy is fiercely opposing what God wants to do next in your life. And he knows when he has you pinned against the ropes with the problem that you're experiencing, you're in a very vulnerable place. The good news believer is that when you're in a vulnerable place and you feel weak and you feel contested and you feel like you're in the middle of a problem, that's when God can do some of his greatest work because you need him. You're desperate for him. And God loves to show up right when you feel like you have no hope and you're at the end of yourself and you're empty. And so I'm so excited to see what God's gonna do in your life this week as we talk about miracles. Miracles, what's God gonna do in our life? So let's go ahead and look at the end of this story and then we're gonna just track back through it and see some of the things that happened between the promise or between the problem and then the miracle. But let's go ahead and just see the miracle and see what God ultimately did as this, this nation was, was facing a critical challenge. A vast army was coming to attack them. So what are they gonna do? How are they gonna get out of this problem? And, and, and I know how it is. Some of you might feel outnumbered. You might feel overwhelmed. That's exactly how God's people felt. But I want you to look and see what God ultimately did in the end of this story. Second Chronicles chapter 20. Let's look at verse 24. Second Chronicles chapter 20, beginning of verse 24. It says this. It says, when the men of Judah came to the place that overlooks the desert and they looked toward the vast army, they saw only dead bodies lying on the ground. No one had escaped. So of this entire vast army from this evil nation that was attacking them, like nobody was even there to fight them. They never even had to fight the battle. They, they come to the place where the enemy is and they're all dead. Verse 25 says, so Jehoshaphat and his men went to carry off their plunder and they found among them a great amount of equipment and clothing and also articles of value more than they could take away. There was so much plunder that it took three days to collect it. On the fourth day, they assembled in the valley of Barakah where they praised the Lord. This is why it is called the valley of Barakah to this day. Then, uh, led by Jehoshaphat, all the men of Judah and Jerusalem returned joyfully to Jerusalem. For the Lord had given them cause to rejoice over their enemies. They entered Jerusalem and went to the temple of the Lord with harps and lyres 
and trumpets. Verse 29, it says, the fear of God came on all the surrounding kingdoms when they had heard how the Lord had fought against the enemies of Israel. And the kingdom of Jehoshaphat was at peace for his God had given him rest on every side. So, so hold up here for a second. So there's, at the beginning of this story, the beginning of this chapter, there's a vast army coming to attack them. And so they're thinking bloodshed. They might be thinking de- defeat and captivity. They might be taken away into exile. I mean, they're thinking all these terrible things that could be happening to their family in the future because this vast army's on the way. And when, when you first find out about a problem, worry tends to rise inside you. And maybe that's where you're at right now with all kinds of anxiety and stress and fear and all the what if worst case scenarios, right? I mean, we, we all can relate to that. And that's, that's where this nation was. But if you fast forward the tape to the end of the story, and don't you wish you could kind of fast forward sometimes to the end of your mess? Like, I wish I could just see how this is gonna turn out. Well, at the end of their story, through the pages of time now, we can fast forward and we can see what God did, the miracle. Truly, it was a divine miracle. Like, they never even had to fight this battle. You know, like many times the things that you worry about, in fact, most of the things that you worry about never actually happened. It's true. It never actually happened. I heard a funny story one time about this, this guy who, who lived with a, his wife who had, for years and years and years, always worried about someone breaking into their home. And, and, and like, she just feared this all the time. And, and one night in the middle of the night, they heard a noise, and, and this had happened like dozens and dozens of times in their marriage. Uh, she nudged him. and was like, hey, can you go check? Make sure the house is safe. I'm worried someone could have broke in. And he goes down and he checks. And, and sure enough, he looks into the kitchen, and there's a, a guy there, and, and he's broken into their house. But instead of picking up a baseball bat, he walks over to him and says, hey, how, how you doing? My name is John. I'd love for you to come upstairs and meet my wife. And the guy's shocked, like, what's going on? He's like, yeah, I, I'd like, to, I like you to introduce you to her because she's been waiting for you for about 20 years. <laughs> <laughs> you know, some of the things that we worry about, they, they never actually happen in the end, right? We, we just, we waste so much time and energy that we could be praying or investing in our current reality, but we're worried about some future reality that may never actually happen. And this is what happened here in this, this story is that the, the battle that they thought they were gonna have to fight, they never actually had to fight. Like God fought the battle for them and won the battle for them. They get to this valley and, and the, the enemy is defeated before they even get there. By God, it's amazing. And not only does God defeat their enemy, but this is what God so often does. This is show his great power and his divine strength. He not only defeated the enemy, but he provided a blessing through the problem. Sometimes your problems can actually turn into blessings when you surrender them to God. And God brought such blessing out there that it took them days to carry away the plunder from the enemy. And not only that, they returned to their city praising God and imagining all their families that when they left carrying their their swords and their shields and their spears going off to battle, not knowing if I'm gonna see dad come home. He might actually die in this battle. They've said their goodbyes. They've given their last hugs and kisses and and this might be the end. In fact, the enemy might come back. That might be who comes back and and they might be coming back to captivity. And so the the whole city didn't know what was gonna happen, but instead of coming back defeated and less in number, Every, everyone was accounted for and they were carrying plunder. It took them days to carry all these treasures back to their city. And then it says that because of this, fear of God fell on all the surrounding nations and their nation was at peace during the reign of Jehoshaphat because all of their enemies feared this God that defeated their enemies without them even lifting their own sword. That's the power of God in this historical account of what God did for his people. And listen, you are the people of God. If you call on the name of Jesus, if you've received him in your life, like you're God's kid, and he wants to do miracles in your life in the same way, to fight the battles in your life, something that you may never have to fight on your own. And he wants to deliver blessing 
through the problems in your life, showing you that he is in control, even when you feel like life is out of control. That's what our God can do. All right, so we've talked about the problem, and we've talked about the miracle. But like I said at the outset, what happens in that critical gap between the problem and the miracle is so crucial that you and I make decisions that honor God in that time because the enemy would love to derail the miracle that God wants to accomplish in your life in that critical season. And so we're gonna look at three very brief but valuable lessons, things that happen in that gap between the problem and the miracle, things that God wants to do in your life, ways that you can respond to the problem that will accelerate the miracle in your life. And I believe that God's gonna grow up some great things in your faith as you learn from this story what God can do even when you're surrounded by the vast army of the enemy, when you're surrounded by the problems. So let's let's look a little bit closer at this story. I wanna rewind back toward the beginning. After they saw that the, the vast army was coming toward them, notice the first thing. Notice the first thing, order is always important in life. Notice the first thing that their leaders did when they saw this vast army coming, this massive problem appeared in their life. And by the way, before I read this, what's your natural reaction when problems show up in your life? I can tell you a lot of my, nat- my natural in the flesh reactions, fear, worry, go call somebody up and say, hey, what am I gonna do? What do you think I should do? It's like, there's so many things that we can run and do when the problems come into our life. But what should we do? What should we do if we want to see the miracle? Verse three, the vast army is approaching and it says alarmed. So by the way, it's natural to be alarmed. You shouldn't feel bad about that that initial wave of emotion that hits you when a problem, oh no, man, this is going to disrupt everything. This is going to be a big problem. Like that's natural to have that immediate reaction, but it's what you do after the natural emotion settles in. This, This matters so much. It says alarmed, Jehoshaphat resolved to inquire of the Lord. And he proclaimed a fast for all Judah. The people of Judah came together to seek help from the Lord. All right, there's there's more that they did, but let's just pause on this. The first reaction after the initial wave of, wow, we have a massive problem in the form of an army headed our direction. What are we going to do? Like after that initial, like the alarm bells going off, the first thing he did is he sought the Lord. Now I'd like to point out that even people who don't follow Jesus, from my experience, they still pray in moments of crisis. I found that most people pray, even people who say, I don't really believe in God, I'm not sure about all that, I don't go to church or anything, but like, if a crisis lands in their life and their mother gets cancer or they lose their job, they're pretty quick to cry out to God, like, God, if you're up there, help me. Like, and that's a natural response, and there's nothing wrong with that. It's good to cry out to God at all times. But this is not that. Like, like, this is not that. Like, what you imagine, like, when someone has a crisis and like, oh, God, please help me. Like, that's not what's going on here. I just, I just want to clarify that because that's not what we're saying they did. And if you want to see a miracle happen in your life, we're not talking about just saying, hey, God, I need help. Because they did something different here that's very important and the words are critical. There's, there's three parts of this that I noticed. I, I noticed that it says he resolved to inquire of the Lord. So resolved, like this resolution of the soul that leads to a revolution in my life. It begins with this this firm commitment, I'm going to the Lord. Regardless of the fact that there's an army on the way and I need to prepare and get ready and all the things that need to be done, I'm first going to seek the Lord. Because before I go into the battle, I'm gonna make sure that I have the Lord on my side. Before I take a first step, before I run to fear, before I run to my friends, before I get on social media, before I do anything, when the problem comes into my life, I'm going to my knees before the Lord. I'm saying, Lord, I need your help. 
But it wasn't even just that. It was he called the whole nation to a fast. Did you see that? Verse 3, it said he called them to fasting. And in verse 4, it says the people came to seek the Lord. Seeking the Lord is very different than crying out in, in prayer. Like, I, God, I need help. Like, seeking the Lord is like a desperate cry. It's saying, God, I need you to show up in my family. God, if you don't show up in my child's life, I do not know where that daughter is going to end up. I don't know how it's going to go for my son. God, I need you to show up in my situation right here and right now. I don't know what to do. God, I need your wisdom. I'm desperate for you to break through in my situation. God, I need help. Like, like that's what we're talking about. It's this firm resolution. And, it, and it's not just a, a, a quick prayer and then I run off to battle. Like he called them to fasting. He, he gathered the people together so they could seek the Lord. I mean, th this was an intentional and a dedicated and a sustained commitment to pursuing the presence of God. How's your personal relationship with God going these days? It's funny how problems tend to distract us from the things that actually attract us most to God and that keep us most connected to God. You know, problems show up in our life and they, they can derail our, our, our time alone with God or our, our prayer time, our worship attendance, things that, that are so good for our soul, but because we have a problem, we're so fixated on the issue, the army at us, that we, that we can get frazzled and distracted and we, we move away from the very things that keep us grounded. And is it possible that maybe the, the problems that have surfaced in your life have actually become, for you, in a sense, a form of worship? Because, because our, our eyes are always on something and our, and our attention and our affection are always on something. And, and when it's not on God, then that means it's on something of the world. And, and oftentimes I've found that when my eyes get off of God and they start to focus more on the world, it's, it's usually the things in my life that are kind of like not how I want them to be. It's like, oh man, this is, this is really a problem. And I just stare at it and I'm thinking about it. I'm thinking about it. And, and, and here, Jehoshaphat, he resolved to fix their eyes on the Lord. He's like, hey, you know what? Whatever it takes, we're gonna focus on the Lord. And, and I remember back to baseball. Did you play baseball as a kid, maybe softball? Did you remember your coach saying this? My, my coach said this all the time. He's like, hey, Brandon, keep your eye on the ball. Like, keep your eye on the ball. And I always wanna be like, respectfully, well, coach, that, that's what I'm trying to do. Like, what else am I looking at? I'm, I'm trying to keep my eye on the ball, like, right? It's just like, keep your eye on the ball. Because the coach knew that if, if you stay focused on what's coming at you, if you stay focused on this ball, then you're gonna be more effective. And if you put your eyes in the right place, then, then you're gonna see a better result. And the problem with life is it's not as simple as just keep your eye on the ball because sometimes the thing coming at you is the very thing that the devil put there to distract you. And it's not keeping your eyes on what's coming at you. It's keeping your eyes on what's above you that's looking down over on all of your life that sees the whole playing field. It's keeping your eyes on him and saying, God, I've resolved to keep my eyes on you because where I put my eyes is such a critical factor in how things are gonna go in my life. And I noticed in verse 12, actually 2 Chronicles 20, there's actually a prayer that's prayed and notice, notice this statement in verse 12. He says, our God, will you not judge them? For we have no power to face this vast army that is attacking us. There's an acknowledgement that like we are overwhelmed and we have a problem. It's okay to be candid with God. Say, God, I don't know how I'm gonna get through this. But notice the end of the prayer. We do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. Keep your head in the game but keep your eyes on the Lord. Keep your eyes on him. It's saying, God, we don't know what to do. We don't know how we're gonna get through this. 
We don't know how we're gonna solve this problem. God, I don't know how I'm gonna have enough money to, to get to the end of the month. There's, there's too much month at the end of the money. I, I don't know how we're gonna pay the bills for family this month, God. Or, or God, I don't know how I'm gonna get through Tuesday this week because I have a big test or I have a big meeting. And, and God, I, I really don't know if I can get through it. I don't even wanna show up. It's making me sick in my stomach. I don't know how. And it's, it's okay to pray those prayers to God and just say, God, honestly, I don't know how. But my eyes are on you. You see, see the difference there? Like, there's one thing that's natural to say, I don't know how I'm gonna get through this. But what's not so natural that we have to train ourselves in the supernatural is to say, God, I'm gonna keep my eyes on you regardless of what's coming at me. Because my instinct is to keep my eye on what's coming right at me. But what's not so natural is to look away from what's coming at me and look up at you. Because this vast army, listen, this vast army was coming at them. Like it was coming at them to fight them and destroy them and take their homes and take their lives. Like how would you feel? Like what kind of emotion if you had a vast army coming at you? The most unnatural thing in the world would be to call a prayer meeting. <laughs> Let, let's all go fast and let's pray and let's, let's kneel before God. Like that's the most unnatural thing in the world when you have a problem coming at you. But listen, if you want to see God do the miracles in your life, you've got to train yourself that when the enemy starts to move at you, you move at the Lord, you, you move closer to the Lord. Here, if you wanna write something down today, I'd encourage you to write down this lesson. When the enemy moves, I move to prayer and fasting. When the enemy moves in my life, I move to prayer and fasting. That, that's where you need to move. You need to move to prayer and fasting to, to say, God, I'm seeking your face with everything I've got. When, when I see a problem in my life, I'm turning to you. Now, now, some of the biggest problems we face are problems of our own making. And I could tell you stories. <laughs> I could tell you a whole lot of stories of so many problems that I've created in my own life. And I had to go to God and say, God, I, get me out of this mess. I, I've messed things up. And, and I know you've been there too. And, and so when the problem is of your own making, it's not a vast army from somewhere over there. It's a, maybe a mistake that you've made in here. I want, I want you to listen to the words of Second Chronicles chapter 7. It's still the same response. But look at verse 14, this very well-known and powerful verse, Second Chronicles seven fourteen. It says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face, there it is again, and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. What an amazing thing. Like if my people will seek my face and turn from their sin. So in other words, it's, it's not just saying, God, I'm sorry. It's, it's, it's turning away from, it's, it's turning back to God, turning away from the evil and the sin and the problems we're creating and saying, God, I'm turning to you and seeking his face. Then, it's an if-then statement. If my people, then I will forgive them. Then I will heal their land. When you turn to God and seek his face, then you can expect God to do the miracles in your life. But it's not until you seek him with all your heart that you can really expect God to show up in the way he wants to, to provide the victories that he wants to bring in your life, to provide the healing, to provide the hope, the things that you are desperate for, the things you want to see in your life, they come as a result of you deciding to get your eyes on the Lord and off the thing that's coming at you. But I get it. When that army is approaching, you're staring at it and you're seeing how fierce it is. But I just wanna remind you, no matter how fierce the storm is that's coming at you, in faith, you can see a God that is greater than whatever it is that's approaching. You can see a God that's higher and stronger and more powerful than whatever problem is going on in your life. So like Jehoshaphat, decide, resolve in your heart to seek the Lord. That's, that's the first move. When the enemy moves, I move to prayer and fasting. What about the second movement? There's, there's three things here that are critical between the problem and the miracle. The first one is to resolve to seek the Lord. The second one comes out of Second Chronicles chapter 20. Look at 
the second part of verse three. Let me just read, read that again. It says, alarmed Jehoshaphat resolved to inquire of the Lord and the people proclaimed a fast for all Judah. The people of Judah came together to seek help from the Lord. Indeed, they came from every town in Judah to seek him. So they came together. They resolved to seek the Lord together. And then it says in verse five that Jehoshaphat stood up in the assembly of Judah and Jerusalem at the temple of the Lord in front of the new courtyard. So they come together. They're united in purpose. They have a common enemy and they unite together. Now, that's not all it says. Down in verse 13, right after that prayer that I read earlier, it says, all the men of Judah with their wives and children and little ones, they stood there before the Lord. So the whole family came, even, even the one with the new babies and everybody, they're standing around. You got crying kids, you're changing the diapers over here. You know how it is. It's just a mess, but it's a beautiful mess because it's the entire community. Every tribe, every group, every block, every person. I mean, they, they are all there together because they know, they know how significant this problem is. They know what it means for their future. They know what it means for their nation. And they have come together to fast and pray and seek the Lord. But they did it together. I love that. It's such a beautiful thing, together. You know, we have a statement that we use around church experience so often that says, you know, we believe that we're better together. It's a big part of our vision. We're one church with many experiences. And, and the reason why we together, these, these church gatherings and services in different cities and places, we're one church because we believe we're better together, united together, fighting against the enemy to advance God's kingdom in the enemy's territory, taking back lives for Jesus, helping them find and follow Christ and experience the hope of the gospel. That, that's what we do. And we believe that we're better together helping more people experience a full life in Jesus Christ. And, and you know, I love that they came together. They, they knew that they were better together. Their prayers were stronger together. They knew they could help each other and fight together. They would be stronger together. And the same is true for you. The same is true for you. You're better together. You need other believers in your life supporting you and holding your arms up in the battle when you feel weak, to hold you accountable, to pray for you, to love on you, to encourage you, to support you. You need that. And by the way, the people around you need that as well. And if you want those kind of people in your life, you have to be that kind of person to others. And, and we all, we all need those people in our life to help us be better together. And when the vast army's coming against them, they knew they had to stand united against that enemy because united we stand, but divided we fall. And the enemy loves to divide and conquer. He loves that our nation's been so divided this last year, divided over every topic you can think of. We just divide and divide and divide. And he loves to divide and conquer. But united we stand. And God wants you to be united, locking arms with other believers, brothers and sisters in Christ, united around a central purpose, a name, Jesus Christ. We're all gonna have different preferences, everything from music to our political views to what kind of things we like to do in our free time. And we're all have all kinds of differences. But the thing that we unite around is Jesus Christ. That's the thing we hold in common. That's the name above every other name. That's the name that unites us and pulls us together. And they united around that, their faith in God. And that's how they fought together. That's how they stood together. And, and I just really believe that we're better together. We got some fun pictures here I wanna, I wanna throw on the screen. Uh, many of us here in Central Florida, we like theme parks. We have all the best theme parks in the world right here in our backyard. It's so amazing. You know, we have uh, over in Orlando, we got all, all four Disney parks and we have Universal. And here in Tampa, we got Busch Gardens and Central Florida has SeaWorld and Legoland. I mean, we, we got all the theme parks, right? And, and, and one of the things that's fun to do at a theme park is, is to kind of hang out in, in the little booth like outside of where people are exiting the ride, right? And they, and they have the big wall of televisions and, and they have this, this 
there's one central point on the peak of the roller coaster where there's a camera set up, right? And, and most people don't know if they haven't ridden the ride before, they don't know that camera's there. And so as they're going down this most terrifying part of the roller coaster, they make these terrifying faces and all these weird facial expressions, and then they put them up on these television screens. And some people, they love the, the crazy face so much that they'll actually buy the picture of them stunned going down this, this roller coaster. Now, now, there's some of them like this first one. You can check it out right here on the screen. Or this, this little guy, he's terrified. You know, this is usually what you're looking for is some kind of fun expression of somebody like this kid. He's like, whoa, and he's just, he's just scared crazy. But then some people realize that they can have some fun with this and they plan for these moments. They've ridden the rides before. They know where the camera is. And so they bring props. Like, check these guys out. Like, look at this. <laughs> Isn't this amazing? <laughs> like, these are so classic. I mean, they're having so much fun. Like, take a look at this. I mean, they, they bring these elaborate props. I mean, can you, can you imagine that? Like, how much fun? I mean, some of you are getting ideas right now on all the things you're going to do the next time you ride your favorite roller coaster. And I, and I love looking at these pictures. But the one thing that I noticed that all of them have in common as you look through these is that the thing that they have in common is that every one of them is a group of people. It's two people, it's four people, three people, it's a family, it's a group of friends, and they're having fun together. They're experiencing the thrill of this adventure together. They're terrified together. They're having fun and laughing together. See, life is so much better together. And God has created you for community. But the devil loves to isolate you and get you away from community because he knows that he is stronger than you are. He's not stronger than God and he's not stronger than God in you, but he knows that if it's just you and him and he can pull you away from the Lord and he can pull you away from community, then he has an advantage. But he knows if you stay connected to the Lord and you stay connected into community, that you have a strength and a support that you need to fight against his in, the enemy's lies and against his tricks. And when you see that vast army approaching here is the most natural thing in the world is to run and hide, is to isolate yourself. I've heard so many times as a pastor, people tell me things like, oh man, I'm just having such a hard time. I just need to go and find myself. I'm gonna take a break from something. I'm gonna separate from something. I'm gonna pull back. I'm gonna take a little breather just because I need some time just to find myself and to gather my thoughts. And listen, everybody needs a time of rest. We all need boundaries and rhythms in our life and it's, it's healthy to have some solitude. All those things are important. Jesus escaped, had time alone. But that's not what we're talking about here, is it? It's, it's, it's fear that is caused by the vast army approaching, the problem approaching in your life that causes us, every one of us, to, temp, to be tempted to run and hide, to isolate. I don't feel like being alone. I, I don't feel like being around others. I don't feel like getting involved in a group at church. I don't feel like being in a worship service. I just feel like being at home in my pajamas and I, I might throw on a, the, the video from YouTube or something like that, but I don't know. I just don't feel like being around others. Listen, the next time your feelings try to tell you to do something exactly opposite of what you know is, is best for you. Just look at your feelings and say, listen, feelings, you don't tell me how to live my life, right? Like, like you don't make my decisions. My feelings don't decide my decisions for me. I decide in my mind what the right thing to do is. And if you let your feelings guide your life, you're gonna end up drifting into some terrible places. And one of those places I've seen over and over again is isolation because I don't feel like being around others, right? I mean, you, you've been there. I, I just have so many problems. I have so much stress. I'm overwhelmed. I just don't feel like going to be around others. But that, my friend, is the exact time where you need to press into community. That's the time where you need to open up your soul to someone and say, hey, can you pray for me? I'm feeling outnumbered. I'm feeling like there's an army coming against me. I feel like I need some help. I need someone to rely on and pray for me and hold me accountable. Could you just hold me up in this time? I'm struggling. And I'm really tempted to isolate and just kind of push everybody else away. But I, I need to press in right now. I need you right now. Can you just, can you be there for me? That's the kind of friendships that we need in our life. And that's what it looks like to be involved in Christian community. 
And, and here's the lesson in it. When the enemy tries to pull me away, I press into relationships. When the enemy tries to pull me away, I press into relationships. And if you wanna see the resulting miracle that comes after the problem, you, you've gotta allow others to be in that process with you. You do, you, you need others to help you between the problem and the miracle. And, and God's people, they, they got together and they prayed together. They worshiped together. They united together against their common enemy. I went bowling uh, this last year with some of my extended family and the cousins were all playing together and we were out bowling and, and we were kind of divided into a couple lanes and the, I really wanted to compete. I'm, I'm not a great bowler, but anything with like a ball and competition, I, I love to get into it and try to do my best and I'm really competing against myself trying to beat my previous scores and stuff. So I, I wanted to do my best and, and, and but I, was, I was on the group that had some of the younger cousins at it and so they, they put the bumpers up. Now, if you've ever been bowling and they put the bumpers up, basically they have this, this rail that they put up in the, the outer columns where, you, you know, if in bowling, you're trying to keep it between the lines and hit the pins, but if you get off center, it goes down the lane and you lose the ball and you don't make any points. Now, the bumpers keep your ball from ever going in the gutter. And so they kind of bump it out and then you can still hit some pins even if you have a terrible shot. And, and so I was with some of the younger kids and they said they're gonna have the bumpers up. So I, I kind of asked the guy because I, I really wanted to compete. I wanted them to have fun too and have the bumpers up so they could actually hit some pins. But I, I really wanted to know what I could get in my score. And so I kind of went over to the guy working there. And I'm like, hey, hey can, can you set it to where when, when I bowl and some of the adults bowl that you can take the bumpers down and then put them back up for the kids and just kind of automate it that way. And he's like, you know, I'm sorry for this, this lane. The only way it does it, it's like all on or all off. So I can turn them off. But that means all the little kids are going to get their ball in the gutter and I kind of thought about that for half a second. I'm like, no, that's, not, that's not right, Brandon. I just, we'll just keep the bumpers up. And so I was, I was a little disappointed at first because I, I had to bowl with the, the bumpers up. But, but I realized that by my second, third shot in, you know, I, I, I spun it out there and, and I kind of was right like hugging that line. And sure enough, it would have fallen in the gutter, but poof, it hit the bumper. And it went right back and I, and I hit some pins and I, I felt like this joy inside of me. I didn't know it was gonna be there. Like, yeah, come on, baby. My, my score is getting higher than it's ever been before. And I'm kind of loving the bumpers. And by the end of the game, I'm purposely bouncing off the bumpers trying to hit these, these pins. I'm just having so much fun. And I thought, man, this is great. And you know, I, I found that in my, in my life when it comes to relationships, I, I, I naturally don't love to have the bumpers, the safeguards, the accountability, the people around me in my life and kind of in my business. And like, you don't need to know, I'm just gonna kind of do my own thing. And, and, and you know what this is like, right? In our American independence, like we're kind of like take care of ourselves, we're self-sufficient, self-reliant. It's kind of idolized in our culture. I don't need anybody in my business. I'm just gonna do my own thing and I can survive and, and show you what I can do and all that. Listen, those bumpers that God has provided in your life of other people actually bring so much joy so much blessing. And when you allow others in and you open up in transparency and you realize, oh man, I'm not the only one. You got issues, I got issues. We can help each other through our issues together. And we all have a common enemy. The devil is trying to destroy our lives. And your problem might be a little different than mine and mine different than yours, but we all have those problems. And we're all seeking God's miracle and his provision. And when we can lock arms together, maybe a group of guys huddled up in a men's group praying together. Maybe it's a group of couples that are going out and serving on mission together, trying to raise godly kids together. Listen, listen, whatever your situation and season of life, I guarantee you one thing is true. You will be better with other believers circled up around you. So, so what's your inner circle look like? Who's in your inner circle? I'm talking about other believers that are praying for you and you're praying for them. Because listen, you're, you're missing such a great gift if you're not praying with each other and for each other. Have you, have you appreciated the believers in your life recently? Have you acknowledged it and just say, hey, listen, man, I, I just want to give you a call today. I don't have any agenda. I just, I just want to say how much I appreciate your friendship. Little message. Hey, I'm praying for you today. You mean, you mean so much. I just want to let you know that. Like I was thinking about you. put a smile on my face. I just thought about you today, how much you mean to me. Man, I can go so far and deepen relationships. 
Like God created you to be in community and, and you and I, we need that. And the devil, he fights against it because he knows how much it encourages our spiritual growth and it sets us up to see the miracles in our life. So the first move is moving towards intentionally seeking God. The second one is moving into community. If, if between the problem and the miracle, we're moving closer to God and we're moving closer to others, but there's, there's one more critical move to be made between the problem and the miracle. And I see it in 2 Chronicles chapter 20. So you get 2 Chronicles chapter 20, verse 18. It says, Jehoshaphat bowed down with his face to the ground. And all the people of Judah and Jerusalem fell down in worship before the Lord. Then some Levites from the Kohathites and Korahites, they stood up and they praised the Lord, the God of Israel, with a very loud voice. So th- th- this place is rattling, man. They're, they're shaking the walls and the floors. I mean, they're, they're just bringing their best praise. And, and look down at verse 20. It says, early in the morning, they left for the desert of Tekoa. As they set out, Jehoshaphat stood and he said, listen to me, Judah and people of Israel. Have faith. Come on, help me preach. Say faith. Yeah, there it is. That faith. Have faith in the Lord your God. And you will be upheld. And you will be upheld. Have faith in the prophets, and, and you will be successful. After consulting the people, Jehoshaphat appointed men to sing to the Lord and to praise Him for the splendor of His holiness. As they went out at the head of the army, saying, "Give thanks to the Lord for His love endures forever." I love that. They got together. They fell down, their faces to the ground, and they worshiped the Lord. And then they got up from their worship, this intimate time with the Lord. And as they marched into battle, being ready to attack the enemy and be attacked and ready for bloodshed and all the things that were gonna come against this, this evil nation, they, they went out with the people in the front. Jehoshaphat said, literally, I want people in the front leading the way with praise and worship, giving thanks to the Lord our God. So they bowed down in intimate time in worship and praise, and then they went out together into battle, singing and praising the Lord. I, I love it that they're worshiping God even in the middle of their problem. And as you start to learn to worship God, even when you have pain and you have problems, you're gonna see God bring about so many amazing miracles in your life. And there's so much that he wants to do, but you have to praise him through the pain. You have to praise him in the middle of the problem. And and we're good at naturally praising God on the other side of the miracle. Like when God does the miracle and we look out and we see that vast army that's been defeated, we say, praise God. Thank you, God, for what you did. That's a little bit easier than when you're in it and you're about ready to go into battle and you're not sure how it's gonna turn out, it's when we can learn to praise God in the middle of our problems. And we can say, God, whichever way it goes, like you're in control. And I, and I know where I'm going and, and, I, and I know who's in control and I, knows, I know whose I am and, and who I am because of whose I am. And when, when I have all these things settled in my life, then I can praise you even in the middle of the storm. And if this ship sinks, then so be it. You know, the high waves on the sea, I I can't control that. There's certain things out of my control, so I'm not gonna worry about the things that are out of my control. But what I can control is where I put my heart and my mind. And I'm not looking at the thing coming at me like this army. I'm looking at the one that's above it all, that sees the whole field. And and so I I think I'm seeing in this, this story here so many valuable things for me the next time I go through a problem, so many things to help you in the middle of the issue that you're in right now that they, they praise the Lord. And I love that it said it with a very loud voice. I love just to sing it out. I love when we're in worship together. And, and man, you can worship online and you can worship at home. And I think that's great. And many of you, you have to or need to at different times or maybe you're sick or traveling. And that's, that's fantastic. But, but I, I just love, I'll tell you, I love being together with God's people. And I love, I love just getting to worship together and, and just lifting a loud voice of praise to God together. There's something special about that. Now, I got my iTunes going on, my phone during the week and my earbuds and I'm listening to worship and, and that's great. And I'll just crank it up in my vehicle. While I'm cruising around town. But, but I'll tell you what, 
when I get together with God's people on the weekend, man, I just love to sing and praise and worship God together. And that's what you're created for. It was G.K. Chesterton who said, we are perishing for lack of wonder, not for lack of wonders. You know what he's saying? It's, it's not that we're lacking miracles in our life. They're all around us. Like God's at work. He is involved in our life. It's lack of wonder, lack of awe of who God is and, and worshiping him. And, and listen, some of us are praying for miracles that God is already busy accomplishing, but we're not seeing them because we have lost the wonder of worshiping God in the middle of our storm. Some of you, God is actually answering a prayer that you prayed a long time ago and you're looking at it like it's a problem because there's change. And sometimes to get from one mountaintop to a higher mountaintop, you gotta go down through the valley so you can start to climb it and you're down in that valley and God's actually bringing a higher mountaintop. He's bringing a miracle in your life and you're complaining and you're saying, oh God, why are you doing this? I used to be so comfortable. Like the nation of Israel, they, they wanted, when they were freed from slavery in Egypt, they wanted to go back. They're there in the desert wandering around before they get to the promised land and they're saying, God, can you take us back to Egypt? We used to have it so good there. We sat around pots of meat and we had food in our bellies and things were so good. And, and yet they wanted to go back to slavery. And you and I are the same thing, right? I mean, we go through changes and challenges, some of them that God allows because he's working out a better plan in our life, taking us to a higher mountaintop. He's, he's bringing about a miracle in our life, but we can't see it because we're so focused on the things that are coming at us instead of focusing on who's staring at us. See, we're staring at the problem, but God's staring at us. And, he, and he's saying, you're so worried about the things in front of you, but I'm looking about the, head, the things that are out ahead of you. I got some great plans for you. Just trust in me, believe in me. And when you start to rely on God and you worship him like they worship God, you'll, the fear, you'll see the fear start to fade and the faith will increase. Your reliance on God and your trust in him grows. Instead of running away from the battle, you'll start to stand and fight for the things that really matter. Instead of being anxious, you'll find a peace that washes over your mind. When we come together and genuinely worship God, we move closer to the Lord and he moves us closer to the victories in our life. There's a story that came out of Oakland, California that I thought was fascinating. It's a true story. Uh, the police had this home barricaded. There was a man inside, a gunman inside, and, and, and they, over the period of time where this barricade happened, they shot 10 canisters of tear gas inside this home. And the man still wouldn't come out. Normally it takes one or two, the, the man comes out, and the gunman's still in there, and, and he hasn't come out yet. And, and, and then over this period of time, they, they come to realize that the man that they thought was in the house, the gunman, they actually look over on the police line and he's standing there shouting with the crowd, come out and give yourself up. <laughs> and they find him, the man that they're looking for that they think is in the house and somehow got out and he's on the police line shouting right next to them. And the enemy that you think is somewhere out there sometimes is actually right here in your ear shouting at you how big the problem is. And, and, and he's shouting you down. He said, hey, look how big the problem is. Give yourself up. Like just surrender. Look, the problem is so big. And he's standing right there on the line with you shouting in your ear. But here's, here's the final lesson I want you to write down. Between the problem and the miracle, when the enemy shouts how great the problem is, I sing about the greatness of God. The next time the enemy tries to convince you how big the problem is, you just tell him how much bigger your God is. You just start worshiping God and say, you know what? It doesn't matter how big this problem is. It doesn't matter how long this valley is or how strong this storm is because my God is greater. My God is mightier than this problem and I'm gonna worship him through the problem and even if I perish, so be it because I'm gonna go to heaven and I'm gonna worship him some more. You just keep worshiping God through the problem and you'll see your miracle. You'll see your miracle because you'll see it in the presence of God. And the greatest miracle of all is the presence of God and his provision of his presence in the middle of the problem. Now, God ultimately accomplished an amazing miracle, and I hope he does in your life too. I, I hope the problem that you're looking at, the vast army that's coming your way, I hope God brings an incredible deliverance, a defeat of the enemy in your life. But I can guarantee you this. If you worship God 
in the middle of your problem, you're gonna see his joy return to your heart. You're gonna see his peace and hope come. You're gonna see satisfaction in his presence. Regardless of how the outcome comes, your faith is going to grow in this season if you'll learn to worship God. I wanna conclude with the final verse from this story in 2 Chronicles chapter 20, verse 15. Before I get there, I just wanna kind of summarize where we've been. We've talked about the problems that are gonna come. We all have them. We're all praying for the miracle, but the choices we make in between the problem and the miracle are so critical. And when the enemy moves in, we, we've gotta to move to prayer and fasting. That's so critical. And when the, temp, and when the enemy tempts me to move away from community, I, I've, I've got to move into relationships. That's just, that's so critical, so critical. And when the enemy shouts at me and tells me how big my problem is, I, I need to shout right back in praise of how great my God is. These three decisions that you make in the middle of your problem will make all the difference in the world. But I wanna conclude with this verse 15 because I, I love this part of the story and it's part of the statement that is made um, coming from verse 14 when it says that the, the spirit of the Lord came on Jehaziel and, and Jehaziel speaks to the community and this is what he says in verse 15. He says, listen, King Jehoshaphat and all who live in Judah and Jerusalem, this is what the Lord says to you. Now I would imagine at this moment, they're all eager. They're on the edge of their seat. They're about to go into battle. They may lose their lives. They may lose their country. They have no idea what's to come, but they're seeking the Lord. They're dependent on him. They're united together. They're worshiping God. And then a man of God steps up and says, listen, this is what God would say to you. And, and, they're, and they're listening. They're dialed in. And this is what he says. He says, do not be afraid or discouraged. That's God's word to you today. I know it's terrifying whatever you're looking at. That problem is fierce, but do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged because of this vast army for the battle is not yours, but God's. The battle is not yours, it's God's. And the miracle, it's God's miracle. The whole thing, it's, it's all God's. And so just surrender it to him, give it to him. That The vast army that's approaching them, he says, listen, you don't have to worry about it. Like it's, it's in God's hands. It's, it's his battle to win. Just trust in him. Now you might have to march out and fight, so get your swords and get ready. But listen, God's going out to fight with you. It's his battle. You're his kid. So trust that he's gonna be with you in the fight. It's his miracle. And it's your next move. Their next move was to march out and ultimately see the deliverance of God. What's your next move? I thought of three things based on what we've talked about today. One is it's a move to prayer and fasting. Are you ready? Are you ready to move into intentional prayer and seeking the Lord? Not just to cry for help, but saying, God, I, I desperately need you. That's the move. If you're not sure where to move, move first into time of prayer and fasting. The second one is to move into community. You need other believers in your life and it might be that God changes your situation through a simple phone call to another believer. Say, would you pray for me? And that might be the catalyst to launch you into this next season of, of God bringing victories into your life, of, of, of accountability, saying, hey, here's where I'm struggling. I just need you, I need you to be real and tell you where I'm at. And, and God might use that to start bringing about some, some miracles in your life. But you need to step into community, get involved, get connected, be a part of his church and what he's doing in this world. But then the third thing is to step in more into worship. And you know, some of us in these last two years, the value of worship publicly, especially, is kind of faded. It's kind of like, it's still there, but it's like, you know, kind of hit and miss. And it's we're maybe less committed to it and connected to it. And, and maybe God is using this, this message today to say, listen, in the, between your problem and your miracle, you, you need to worship me. And not just in isolation, you need to worship in the context of community. You need to lean in and worship high and give everything that you've got to the Lord because in the midst of your worship, you're encouraging other worshipers. There's something that happens that's powerful when we worship together. Worship alone, yes, worship together, absolutely, but just worship God for who he is, even in the middle of your problem. And if you do that, friends, if you lean into worship, 
if you lean into community, if you press into prayer, I believe that God will deliver his miracle. He did it for his people. He brought the victory. They never even had to fight the battle in the end because they relied on their God. And I hope you'll do the same and see God work miracles. Right on, right on. Come on, let's pray. Father, I pray for the person who's hearing this message today and they're in the middle of a mess. Maybe it's a mess of their own making. Maybe it's one that was completely out of their control. Someone else's sin, someone else's decision and it affected their life. And, and maybe it's a worry, something that has never happened and that may never happen. But the problem in their life is just this anxiety that they can't get rid of. But God, whatever the problem is, we're believing you for the eventual miracle. We're believing that God, you can defeat the enemy. We're believing that God, you can provide the healing and deliver the hope and provide the solution that we are so desperately seeking. Maybe some of us for years, we've been looking for that answer. God, we believe you can help. We believe you can do the miracle. But God, between the problem that we're in the midst of and the eventual miracle that we're praying for, we know that God, we have some important moves to make. And so we're asking you to help give us courage and give us wisdom that when we see the enemy make a move in our life, we move to prayer, to really pursue you and seek you. And God's just stirring someone's heart today to really pursue you in prayer, to, to like they've never before, just really chase you, God, in prayer. And God, we know that when the enemy tempts us to isolate and pull away, that God, you've called us to press into community. So God, I pray for someone here today who feels all alone. May they, may they step into community, get more connected to your church, to your believers, to your people, so that God, they can experience that support they so much need. And then God, when, when we see how big the problem is and the enemy's in our ears shouting how, how great the problem is, God, may we shout back a shout of praise and just say how great you are, how much greater you are than any problem we face. And God, as we pray, and as we lock arms together and as we worship, we're believing you, God, to do the miracle in us and through us so that around us, God, your kingdom can come and your will can be done on earth as it is in heaven. And it's in Jesus' powerful name we pray. Amen. What a great service it has been. I love the worship, the message, spending time together as a CE family. You know, you may say, I wanna get more connected. And better yet, you may have just made a commitment during the service in your faith. And we would love to hear about it. Please reach out by going ahead and pulling out your phone, scan that QR code. Or if you wanna know a little more about us, uh, feel free to go ahead and check out our, our social media, our website, our app. We have all those available for you and would love to get more connected with you. Another great way to get connected is to subscribe right down here. We have that just for you. Um, and the other thing we have for you is another great service next week. See you then. <laughs>